This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I have one of my friends that is coming on for an interview. His name is Brady, and he is a trauma-informed clinical breath worker. So I'm really thrilled to have this conversation with him because I've done a little bit of breath work myself, but he obviously knows so much, and I'm really excited to chat with you about the importance and the significance of breathing because we literally do this all the time. So Brady, welcome onto the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and I would love if you can just introduce yourself a little bit more and then we're just going to dive into the conversation together. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for having me. So epic to connect. I, I love podcasts and uh, I love just sharing conversation in this way, being able to, to learn from you and, and also share a bit about what I know and, and then being able to share that with the world just feels really appropriate. So I would love if we can dive into first, let's just take a couple steps back from where you are right now. And I would love if you could share like how you got into breath work, because even though I've really been in the spiritual realm, like coaching and all of that, like I'm used to breath work and sambo classes and a lot of that. But I think that it's a very unique sort of, I guess, niche for lack of a better word to be in. So I'm really curious how you got into this and really like what, how it captivated your soul to turn this into your life passion and your life work. So I grew up in a somewhat of a dysfunctional family. I think most of us do to some extent. Um, what ended up happening was um, with things like, you know, alcoholism and, and a little bit of abuse happening in, in the home. There was this idea of wanting to find a place that was safe, wanting to find a place that felt like home. And so at a really young age, kind of as soon as I could, when I was like 18, I decided to leave home and start traveling. And I traveled for many, many years all around, you know, Canada, the States, Australia, Bali, New Zealand, kind of all around the world. And the whole thing was kind of searching for this sense of, of home. And it wasn't until a few years into my travel, I realized that um, through a, a yoga practice that there was a sense of home, but it wasn't, you know, out there in the world somewhere. It was actually in here. I'm pointing to my heart space, right? It was in my body. And that feeling for me of coming home to myself was so inspiring, was so life-changing that I decided to dedicate my life to finding that feeling, finding ways to move a little bit closer to that feeling of, of what I like to call bliss or that sense of home and so I started dedicating you know my life to finding these practices and what what made me feel blissful and originally that that first real big moment of, of bliss that I had experienced was uh, through practicing yoga and so I knew there was something there I knew there was there's a, a bread from there and I started to follow it I ended up becoming uh, you know a, a great yogi and, and started to teach yoga and really started to fall in love with the practice of, of union of movement and breath and body awareness and pratyahara, which is mastering your senses and meditation and all of these areas that 
you know, are so gooey, so, so great to essentially create this sense of bliss or home or presence. Um, and it wasn't until uh, a few years in where I realized that there's kind of this central piece to us that controls every other function of the body and it's the nervous system. And I really started to know that the nervous system is deeply and intimately connected to the breath. So the breath is probably tied with the, the eyes uh, and, and vision in ways to, to change the nervous system. So I started diving deeper into to things like breath work or pranayama is what it's called in, in the yoga community, which actually means breath control. And eventually I met uh, my, my teacher, Edward Dangerfield, who is uh, a clinical breath worker. And, and when I met him, he changed my whole life. Uh, so he took me through some really deep practices of breath work and I ended up moving to Bali and living with him and, and uh, I stayed with him and, and learned from him and um, learned all of these, these really beautiful ways to regulate your nervous system through practice of, of breath work. And um, he's really great because he has this, you know, Eastern yogic philosophy, but he also has a, a real groundedness in Western neuroscience. And so he kind of combines the two and coming back from Bali back to Canada at the start of the pandemic, what was really clear for me was it was part of my role to bring this, um, this way of being and this, this ancient Eastern philosophy back into Western culture and introduce it in a way that isn't just, you know, shamanic or, is this kind of thing that, that you, you're, it feels a little woo-woo-y, but really use it as a medicine. And so I have set up a clinic here where I actually treat people in the same way that you would come in for, say, a physio appointment or acupuncture or even to see your own doctor. Um, we, can, we can take a look at you know, how you're breathing and notice how that shows up in terms of your thought patterning the way that you feel and, and your behavior in life. And it's just this piece that's been so overlooked. We, we give a lot of attention to things like mindfulness, um, you know, meditation, um, and, you know, weightlifting or going to the gym or even, you know, modern day yoga. But I think a lot of it is missing this, this central piece that changes everything about the way that we perceive the world. And that's how we're breathing, how our nervous system is reacting to the environment around us. I really loved hearing your story just now because we've like Brady and I have only connected a couple of times in person and we know each other through one of my best friends and also she was coaching me as well. And so it's really cool that I finally get to hear your story. And I think it's just it's I'm laughing because right before we started recording, I like you were like fixing your headphones. I was looking up your human design chart and you are so in alignment and it totally makes sense like everything that you're doing so can I just like share a little bit like your human design and how it's like literally tying into what you're doing in your life right now because it's really cool to see how how everything's lining up yeah please I've, I've never done this just for reference as well I've, I've never heard uh, my human design chart yeah. So yeah. So FYI to the listeners. I mean, I've been talking about human design more on my channel, but like, I just want to share this because it's like, I'm so like lit up by this. So you're a projector, 
And the, the aura and essence of a projector is someone who has like this very deep and profound wisdom. And you're really amazing at just seeing like a bird's eye view of like the things that need to change or like the most optimal ways of doing things. And you're here to really share that wisdom. And as a projector, you're meant to be invited to share and you're really going to see things that others may not see the way that you do. And the beautiful thing is that you're a five one projector. So your profile is really about like your role in the world and how you show up. So the five line is really about like being a mentor and being the person where people will come to you and they want you to help them with their problems. And you're really good at you know, seeing what's best for others. And the one line is what we know as the investigator. So this is someone who's going to go out, they're going to find out what works, they're going to, you know, do a lot of trial and error, they're going to create new things, start things from, you know, the beginning. And, and that's really, that's kind of like a, a mini overview of you, you being a projector, and then your profile, which I think is so funny, because I literally just listened to your story. I'm like, you're 100% living in alignment, like you going around and traveling and discovering breath work, and then, you know, even just being with a mentor and like learning how to really understand this and then coming back to Canada and like opening a clinic, like it's just so, it's so in alignment. So I just wanted to like share that little snippet with you. And I'm curious how you resonate with that. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm getting a, a little shivers right now, some goosebumps, which my astrological friends tell me means truth. So uh, I appreciate that share. And I, I haven't, you know, heard that chart before, but uh, it's, I think that these things are so fun and, and um, it helps us get really clear on, you know, where we're going in life and, and to, to affirm what feels good and, and what, what is going well for us. Um, and I think that if we follow those, those breadcrumbs, if you will, those, those kind of good feelings, you know, one of my favorite authors and, and speakers, Joseph Campbell, you know, his, his whole thing is follow your bliss. And um, the more that we're able to follow those feels really, really great. And the other piece to that, that I, I, I love to remind people of when we talk about these charts or these ways of being or these archetypals is that we can actually change them as well. So there's the idea that we were born into this world. We were born in at a certain time, you know, a certain timestamp and a location and, and we came in and there, there's all these environmental factors, you know, whether it's you know, the, the hospital or the, the city that you're born in, but also, you know, the way the stars were aligned. And that's really beautiful that we're being shaped by that environment in a, in a specific way. And at the exact same time, we have the availability of consciousness and consciousness gives us the opportunity to also shape our environment, which is again, shaping us back. And so we have this symbiosis and relationship with our environment and what that is is our ability to change our environment and then our environment shape us back again and so i, I love the idea of, of having this this path and also having the ability to change it i think this is amazing that you're bringing this up because i know that like obviously your breath is life like every time you take a breath you are i mean it's one thing to think with your mind you're like oh i'm manifesting like this is what i want to create for myself these are the actions i'm going to take this is my to-do list you know this is what i'm envisioning but really you can't do any of that unless you're alive and you're breathing right and so this is really the significance of it and so i would love if i remember you know speaking from the lens of trauma i think it's when we were hanging out at the beach that one day with you know our partners and i had said to you, i'm pretty sure i said it to you where the first trauma we ever experience is like childbirth 
like when we are being born into the world, like physically, that is the first time we ever experienced like a traumatic event. Like obviously you're coming into the world, but it's very high stress. And like you shared, you know, having a childhood where there was challenges and abuse and that kind of thing, like this affects our body, you know, and people say that trauma gets stored in the body. So I'm really curious if you can share with our listeners, like how, how can someone discover for themselves, or even if they go and they work with a clinical breath worker, you know, how can they really tap into using their breath to alleviate that and start to, to move that energy or that trauma that's stuck within them? And so there's, there's so many layers to this, but really what you're speaking to is the idea of trauma being stuck within our nervous system. And so when traumatic events happen, whether it's at a young age or as adults, whether it's physical, mental, energetic, emotional, any of these traumas, they they affect us and they pierce us on all of these different layers. And so an example of that might be something like a heartbreak. A heartbreak can subjectively be a trauma, right? And so as a clinical breath worker, what I see, what I witness in people who have experienced a heartbreak is we actually see their shoulders start to roll forward and start to protect the heart space. And that's a really intelligent mechanism, right? That's, that's really, really smart of the body to do to protect ourselves when we feel vulnerable. So our biology is just doing what it, it, it's meant to do. But what happens is as a result of that, we actually stop stimulating the heart area because we're not now breathing into the heart area. We're protecting it, right? We're closing off in that area. And so when we close off in that area and we stop breathing into it, we're stopping the, the, the massage that happens. We know massage feels really, really good. And imagine massaging a, a certain gland in our endocrine system, something like the, the thymus gland or, or the heart even, you know, that, that has profound changes. At the same time, we're changing blood flow. So we're, we're changing uh, our neuronal flow. So neurons firing. Um, there's a whole gambit of different things that are starting to happen that we see in the physical body once we experience a traumatic event. And so what it is, is my job as a clinical breath worker is to repattern that is to invite breath into that area and then let them know that it's safe to breathe into that space. And what that does is yes, it it might roll the shoulders back, but now as a consequence of that, the 20,000 breaths that we're taking every day, which is a lot of breaths, it's a lot of signals being sent to your nervous system, each breath sends a signal, is starting to change our blood chemistry because now we're starting to send different neurotransmitters up to the brain, uh, we're, we're massaging into that area. We're experiencing this openness within the body. And that has profound changes on the way that we feel in life, which changes the way that we behave in life as well. Another example of that that is less emotional, more physical might be something like a surgery. And so when we look at something like an appendix surgery, which is a really common surgery for a lot of people, if they have their appendix removed, they'll, they'll be cut open and they'll have this organ removed from their body. Likely they'll be put under anesthesia, so they won't actually feel it. But what they'll know is that once they come out of that is that their body will heal. And mentally they know they're not in pain anymore. But the, the deeper layer is the layer of the nervous system. And the nervous system is actually still firing at a million miles per hour in an attempt to protect itself, in an attempt to discharge what happened. And what happened was we were cut open. That's pretty, pretty wild. And so as a result of that, what the nervous system will do is either shut down 
or it will go into hypervigilance, right? And so shutdown might look like dissociation. It might look like anxiety, depression. Um, and so we see this happening in a lot of post surgeries is if people haven't felt it and experienced it and given their nervous system an opportunity to discharge that energy, then they'll still hold on to it until it's properly processed. Um, and also what happens is we stop breathing into that area, right? Because as humans, we're really good at avoiding pain. And so to breathe into stitches and to cuts doesn't make a lot of sense. But if that pattern gets reinforced now 20,000 times every day, I'm not stimulating that area of the body. That has profound changes on, on the system, on the organism. And so again, what we would do is look at the breath pattern and reorganize the breath to invite it into that area and let it know that it's safe to breathe into that area. That is so interesting. I just love the level of intentionality and like the science obviously behind everything that you're that you're sharing and it just really does put things into perspective you know it's like oh yeah I wouldn't have my appendix removed when I was 12 because it almost ruptured but like I'm totally healed now you know like that's such a conscious way of thinking and like there's nothing wrong with that but the thing is like it still was like a traumatic event to your body and and so I just find it so interesting. And I think one thing that's really important too, is like we talk about the neurons and everything. And the one thing that I love about the human brain, like thank gosh, is that it is the neuroplasticity allows us to change our behavior. And it allows us to, like you said, like obviously our breath is connected to our neural system and then you change your breath, you're going to like change your brain. And so before we hit record, we were talking about this, how your breath can really change your behavior. So we talked about this, like expanding and massaging, you know, these, these organs and areas in your body to like stimulate blood flow and just like, you know, have it be nurtured and whatnot. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit more in terms of like how breath work can change your behavior and, you know, maybe just even your behavior and like your perception and just your overall health. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, and so there, there's, as I said, there's signals being sent to our brain, right? Every single breath is a signal to send to our brain. And so even different parts of the breath, so we can even break that down. And so when we look at the inhale, the inhale is actually speeding up our autonomic arousal, talking about the autonomic nervous system, things that you don't have to think about, things like your heartbeat, things like digestion, you know, it would take a lot of bandwidth to think about those things. So our body is really intelligent in doing that for us. But we can actually speed that process up. We can speed up our heart by taking a big inhale, right? Heart rate speeds up. That's representative of our effort in life. The adverse of that is our exhale, right? Heart rate slows down, blood vessels expand, everything is relaxing. So that's representative of our surrender in life. And so when we take a look at this, we can look at, you know, what signals are you, is your subconscious breath pattern sending to your brain? So not necessarily when you, you know, I can ask you to change your breath right now and you can change the way that you feel based upon how you're breathing. We did a little bit, bit of that before this podcast, but what's really interesting to me is the subconscious breath, right? Because that's really running the show. There's 20,000 breaths running each day and what messages are they sending that's really where the magic is and so when we take a look at this we can see different personality types show up in different breath patterns and so an example of that might be someone who's a a-type personality overachiever we'll see that they'll breathe heavily into their core into their adrenal glands we can see that their inhale is effort and their exhale is also effort. And so what happens is we have this effort meeting this effort. 
And when that happens, it can be really good externally. It can look really good, like they're achieving a lot in this masculine Western society that we live in. But inevitably, that will lead to burnout. We also see the opposite. So when we take a look at laziness or lethargy in some way, someone who doesn't have a lot of energy, likely they'll be breathing deep down into their belly. They'll be quite rounded, but kind of slunged and also they'll have an absence of an inhale, an absence of that, that autonomic arousal speeding up, that heart rate, that excitability in life, right? We can see in depressive breath patterns that people are mostly exhaling. And so all of this is to say that, you know, we are living in the human experience, right? And, and the human experience isn't a set way of being. As much as we try to make it a meaning and make it a way of being, I am this person. You're not. <laughs> the truth is you're all of the human emotions, right? You're all of the human experiences. And so a lot of people ask, you know, what, how should I be breathing? What is the perfect breath? And the truth is there isn't a perfect breath, right? Because being a set way is really good for set situations, but life is dynamic. And so too is our breath, or hopefully, hopefully we have the ability to have a dynamic breath. And that's ideally what we can do is taking a look at people's breath patterns. You know, what is their pattern in life? How does that show up in their breath? And then how can we alter that? Well, breath is the gateway into our subconscious because it's one of the processes, the only process actually, that is both conscious, we can control it, and subconscious, it'll just run in the background. And so this becomes the, the bridge into changing the way that you think and you feel and you behave. It changes your way of being when you change your breath pattern. Another example of that, so we looked at kind of the, the dissecting the quality of breath, inhale to exhale. We can also look at you know, where is the breath landing in the body? And so when we take a look at the, the breath, we, we primarily look at three diaphragms. There's our lower diaphragm that sits just below our rib cage, and that primarily drops down, and it can breathe as far down as the perineum. So really massaging, you know, the abdominal cavity can really help with digestion. If 20,000 times per day, you're massaging that area. Um, not only digestion, but it's also pressing on the spleen, the gallbladder, the liver, the kidneys, all of these, these organs, you know, if, if we can have a full breath that's massaging all the way down, we're massaging and stimulating all of these areas. The second is our, um, around our rib cage. And so the intercostal muscles expand medially, so to the side, and contract laterally in towards the midline. And so that is representative of our expansion and our ability to be resourced, to, to feel like there's there's room beside us, right? There's there's people, there's support beside us. And then thirdly is, is up into the chest and even as far up into the throat. And so our third diaphragm assists um, assists speaking. So you can hear that my my third diaphragm's speaking right now, and it's the vocal cords, right? So as the vocal cords move, breath they're also making sound. And so as we you know, open up and feel safe into breathing into this area as well, we'll feel more confident speaking into the world, speaking our truth into the world. We'll feel more confident to be loud, to take up space vocally. All at the same time, we're stimulating certain glands across the endocrine system, right? So the thyroid and parathyroid gland are, are in the throat space. And so we can look at it from either this, this Eastern yogic philosophy, which I think if you look at the yogic 
practices. They, they've been on to something for thousands and thousands of years. But we can also look at the Western neuroscience approach, which is really great for measuring and, and proving and, and has all these fancy instruments. But really, I think that Western neuroscience is just catching up to the yogis. Um, and if, if, we, if we are able to combine both of those, we can really get a better understanding of who we are in the world and who we want to be and how to get there. Everything that you're sharing is just so, it's so brilliant. I feel like you're really shedding a light on the importance of the breath, like obviously, but I just mean it's so special because every single person has their breath, you know, like it's, it's like something that everyone has. And I think that's so powerful that you're sharing this wisdom right now to really just everyone listening to this episode, is going to be empowered to like pay attention to their breath because ultimately they can shift themselves that way. So I would love, can you give a couple of examples of like, let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, holy shit, like I've never actually really paid attention to my breath. Like I'm still learning like what breath work is. Like what are some tips and tricks that you can give to someone where like maybe their own practice that they can do on their own. And I think right now we can even share how you had me do three breaths with you before we hit record. And I even just noticed a difference in how I was breathing then and how I felt afterwards. I think that would be like a really good example as well. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is, is get curious, right? Get curious about the breath because it is such a language, right? We we like to use words and, and it's so easy to lie as human beings. It's lying to, to ourselves or to other people, but the breath doesn't lie. The nervous system doesn't lie because it's so primal. It's so biological. And so when we take a look at that, just pay attention. How am I currently breathing? It starts with that awareness piece. I have a joke on my podcast. It seems like once an episode, everyone says it starts with awareness. So I, try to, I try to steer clear of that, but it's so true. Um, is it starts with awareness and noticing, you know, how am I currently breathing? And that's really great to just be curious about that and, and be curious about where you're breathing into, where in the body. Be curious about the, the quality of your breath. You know, is it, is it smooth? Is it rigid? Be curious about the quality of your breath in terms of, you know, is it is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it wide? Um, and and be curious about the rhythm as well. You know, how fast am I breathing? Do I need to be breathing this fast? And so the whole practice becomes, how can I make my breath pattern or my nervous system match my external environment? So take a look around you right now. And notice, am I acting appropriately in this space? For me, I'm in my office alone, very safe. I'm in a podcast. You know, likely I don't need to be breathing heavily through my mouth and stimulating this autonomic arousal that might show up as something like anxiety, right? Ultimately, I can be breathing through my nose, really relaxed, really smooth. Likewise, you know, if I'm out, you know, wrestling a bear or going for a bike ride or doing something to, you know, defend my life, like, you, you bet your ass I want to be breathing through my mouth, right? I, I want to be really active there. So how can I make my internal state match my external environment is a really good inquiry to be in. The other piece to that is, you know, continue to get curious and get curious about who can, who can I be resourced by for this? And so finding a, a breath worker or an expert is really, really profound because what a good breath worker, and I don't say this for, for all breath workers, because I think there's a lot of hype around breath work right now. Um, and, and there's 
potential situations where you can actually re-traumatize people if, if done poorly. So a really good breath worker, a trauma-informed breath worker would be ideal, um, can actually repattern your breath. And so we as humans like to think that we need to do the thing, you know, especially in Western society. It's like, do, do the thing. What can I do to fix this? And we can do, I'd say about 5% to fix almost any situation because really, you know, we're running on these subconscious programs that run about 95 to 98% of our lives, right? It's all, it's all reflexes to things. So what's really powerful for me is getting curious about the subconscious. You know, if you change your breath, that's really great consciously, but ultimately you're going to revert back to the subconscious breath pattern. What messages are they sending? With a good clinical breath worker, you can repattern your subconscious breath. When you do that, you make real change. We do this through a system of neuroplasticity. So the, the practice becomes changing the breath um, in a way that first builds autonomic arousal. And forgive me if I, if I go too deep into the science of this. Just, just let me know. But essentially what we're doing is it kind of looks like a bell curve. So we're building autonomic arousal. So we're releasing things like adrenaline, acetylcholine, these kind of um, awareness and alerted hormones within the body. And we're building that. And that can seem kind of scary at times. And eventually we hit this peak point where we're really at the peak state of autonomic arousal. And then what happens is we integrate. And so that's a time when we might integrate the breath into this new area where it wasn't currently breathing into. And at that point, we hit safety. So there's this shock system that's happening. There's this high alert, high energy, high adrenaline, and then safety. So we actually begin to realize that it's safe to be out of our comfort zone. And in that real neuroplastic change happens. Now, the key to all of this is at the very end of a treatment is that you hit deep rest. So we've made this change at the top at the peak, and then we let it set, we let it settle. And it needs to be finished with deep rest and safety. I love everything that you just said. And it's interesting because what I'm realizing is I'm not sure if you have experience in NLP or just having learned anything about that. But one of the one of the uh, techniques that I've learned about is called anchoring. And that's really when, you know, we do this all the time in life. Like we anchor to certain things, like literally an example could be like you hear a song from your childhood and you're immediately going to be taken back into like a nostalgic experience of like what it was like in high school when you heard that song. Or, you know, it could be things like you might you might have gotten in a car accident every time you get into a blue car car you you're like re-traumatized because you've anchored to that experience even though it's not happening in the present moment and so you know it can obviously be positive things and it can be negative things right like you smell certain food you're going to remember like oh my gosh I remember my grandmother used to cook this or you know when you see certain things in life that might you know you see a dog and maybe you got chased as a kid and it freaks you out when you see them right so there's so many different ways that we anchor in life and what I'm really noticing from everything that you're saying is that because of the subconscious way of our breathing is that we have subconsciously anchored our breath patterns to certain behaviors and just like the experiences that we've had in our life. So when you go and you work with someone such as yourself, who's a trauma-informed clinical breath worker, you can subconsciously do the work to realign people to breathe how they're meant to breathe with like the least amount of resistance and like 
anchor them into this place of safety rather than their old patterns. So I just thought this was so interesting because really like every time we're breathing, like every single day, every moment up until now and beyond, like you are breathing and you are anchoring certain events, right? Like when I go to a rugby field, even if I'm not playing, I will notice my body change. Like I'm going to be excited whether, you know, I'm watching a game or I'm going to practice. Like I can feel my body having a visceral reaction and it, it changes my breathing. Like, even if I'm watching a game, it's like changes my breathing and I'm not even going into play. Right. So it's just like, like you said, the awareness of it, but then also paying attention. I think that's another thing is, is the awareness piece is like, just to be curious and ask yourself in certain situations and different situations. Oh, how's my breath in this context? How am I anchored to respond in this context? Like, how do I breathe when I'm around my partner? How do I breathe when I see my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend walking down the street? You know, how do I breathe in traffic? Right. So I find that like so cool. Like I was just having this like revelation as you were sharing. There's a question I really want to ask. And let's say, for example, like you're talking about matching your, you know, your breath with your external environment. But let's say if you're in a stressful environment, obviously you don't want to like match the stressful environment because then you're going to be like stressed out. And if you wanted to anchor yourself in being calm and grounding, what would be your, you know, your suggestions or your, you know, coaching, for example, to, to, to be the opposite if your environment, if you don't want to match your environment? Yeah, it's discernment, right? It's, it's discerning what, what do I want? My, my clinic is called feel. And, and the basis of it is, you know, deciding how you want to feel and then, and then feeling that way based upon how you're breathing. And so what we've realized is that there's a breath pattern for every emotion. Your breath changes emotion, but also what you're speaking to is emotion can change our breath, right? And so there's that piece around us being influenced by our environment, but also we have the opportunity to influence our environment. Um, and so, yeah, when, when you're in a stressful situation, you know, at times, if it's, if it's something, you know, potentially, you know, someone's trying to rob me and my family. Yeah, that's a stressful situation. And that's, maybe not a situation that I want to be common. Maybe I do want to be active, you know, and, and I think that we put such an emphasis on stress being such a killer, but really it can also be really primal. It's, it's stress is, is a really healthy emotion when we, when we properly process it. What isn't healthy is when we allow that stress to manifest over a longer period of time. So if we have a stressful environment and get stuck in that pattern of stress, and then we're no longer in a stressful environment. Maybe we've, we've gone home from that stressful environment. We're in a safe space, but we're still holding on to that stress. We've, we've lost our ability to self-regulate. And so what is a really great way to, to change that is to, to notice how am I breathing? Still breathing in a stressed out way. You know, am I breathing through my mouth? Am I breathing really fast? Am I breathing up into the chest? Those might be examples of, you know, stress. The other option is in really stressful environments, in a really stressful situation, maybe I do want to be really calm and really centered. And that's available for you too. So a nice deep belly breath. And when I say belly breath, it, I think that term gets, gets thrown around a lot, but really we have the ability to breathe much deeper than our belly, much, much deeper, all the way down to your perineum, which is that space on men anyway, in between the testes and, and the anus. And so that whole thing can, breathe all the way down there and i'll probably be breathing through my nose in that case and i can feel really slow really calming and i'll elongate my breath so maybe uh 
five to 10 second in breath and five to 10 second out breath. And that's going to change profoundly the way that I'm thinking, the way that I'm feeling and my behavior in life. So there isn't, there isn't necessarily one, one perfect way to breathe. It's discernment. I love that. And I, I love that we covered, you know, examples of, you know, matching your environment, but then also, you know, it, say if you want to be calm in certain situations, like how to discern that, like you said, like I think that what it really comes down to is that we have so much more control over our breathing than we realize. And I think it is obviously so much more powerful than we realize as well. So before I kind of wrap things up today, because I just loved our conversation, I want to, I always ask my, my, interviewees this question what is a piece of wisdom that you want to leave with our listeners today yeah I think that we spend so much time externally in what we call extraception and so that's viewing and having our awareness land on the world around us and typically the only times that we or the, the most prevalent times that we shine our attention internally is through pain right? It's like when you stub your toe, then you really feel your body. But an opportunity to connect internally or, or have interoception, which is, you know, encased in, in skin, including the skin. So have your awareness there, not in times of pain, but just feel your body, you know, feel the, the size, the shape, the weight of your, your feet. Feel the size, shape, and weight of your head. Get an idea of the outline of your body. This can be a really warm, just blissful home space for you to land in, for your awareness to land in. And for me, that's an ongoing forever practice of, of coming home back into the body um, and, and just know that it's safe. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really safe space to be is inside your body. That was such a beautiful piece of wisdom. And I love that you really circled back to the beginning of our episode and just like your story of like, I found home within myself. You know, I think it's really beautiful to hear that message to just trust your body. Like it is it, your body and you as a person have been with yourself every single day of your life. Like you've been through all of the hard times, like all of the beautiful times, all the times to come, you know, you you've been through and survived through trauma or just pleasurable moments in your life. Like it's literally been through everything. And I think that we just, we forget, which is kind of ironic because we're in it. Right. But totally yeah. overstimulation. I, yeah. You can take so much more than you give yourself credit for because, you know, ultimately life can be tough. And when tough situations come, you can handle any of life's tough situations if you can pause and take a breath first. The moment you stop breathing is when you actually can't handle it, right? Because because then you'd be dead. But the bigger the situation in life, the bigger the breath that's required. So expanding your lungs capacity, learning to breathe into these other areas expands your, your capacity and resilience to life. I love that. Second golden nugget of wisdom. That was so good. <laughs> Yeah. So before I before I end things today, I want to just get you to share. Can you let us know where the listeners can connect with you, even if they want to come in for an in-person session, if you do virtual and share your podcast as well? And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. Yeah, beautiful. So um, the best way to connect is is through social media. Instagram is my platform of choice. Blissful underscore movements is my kind of personal accounts and where you can find links to my podcast, the Blissful Movements podcast. Um, and then if you want to come in for a treatment and you're in the Vancouver area, feel.health 
F-E-E-L dot health uh, on Instagram is the best way to, to connect. And we do online treatments as well as in person. I am really a big fan of, of coming in for a treatment in person, um, being able to connect with humans, really get a, a good sense for how they feel on their body, you know, hands on, on skin. And um, I think it's a really profound experience. And so, yeah, that would be the best way to connect with me. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and just like opening your heart and just sharing your wisdom. And it was really cool to see you just light up about this because you obviously just have so much to share, which is like really beautiful to just like witness you in your element. Yeah, Kayla, it's such a pleasure to be on here. And, and I appreciate so deeply what you're doing and sharing with the world. So thank you for, for having this podcast and inviting me on. It's been so fun. You're so welcome. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in today. Definitely check out Brady, check out the information in the show notes and get connected with him and make sure that you subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. And of course, if you share this on social media, be sure to tag both of us so that we can be excited with you. So chat with you next time. Bye.